This is turnover, page 68. Friday's game day, and on my walk to school with Becky, I'm as edgy as a Picasso painting. It's more than three months since I've played a game, and I'm itching to get on the court. Although I'm not exactly sure who's going to turn up. Jilly's a def Ginny's a definite, Nissa and Lulu are maybes, and Summer, well, <clears throat> I can only hope. Becky dances along beside me, her curls bouncing on her shoulders and her lunchbox banging around inside her backpack. Can't you just walk, I ask, but it makes no difference. I'm going to Indigo's after school. She's got the Notting Hill Castle and all the Princess Barbies. We're BFFs. Does everyone except me have a BFF? Even Barbie's got Ken. If I had a BFF, maybe we'd have another boy or two on the team. Poodle and Tom showed zero interest when I asked them, mumbling something about football until Doof turned up and killed the convo. But I'm not going to let the boy shortage wreck my day. At least I get to play. It's cool in the mornings now, and I tunnel my hands into the sleeves of my hoodie. As we're about to cross the road, Ginny comes out of an apartment block, wheeling a rubbish bin to the curb. I remember last night's dream, which involved basketball, Ginny in a singlet and a sweaty hug after a close win. The team in my shorts haven't forgotten how that dream ended. Ginny, Becky calls, dancing on the spot like she needs to pee. My nerves ratchet up another notch. Being seen with Becky, the dancing bear, is the total absence of cool. And last time we spoke, Ginny was dirty with me for recruiting Summer. Who knows what mood she'll be in today. She crosses the road and falls into step with us. Your hair looks good like that, Becky says. I wish I had straight hair. She pulls at her frizz and it springs back even tighter. Ginny smiles at her. But it's all hair to me. We walk and they chat and Becky's over the moon when she discovers that she and Ginny shared the same grade three teacher at Bellbird Primary. Sally's the best teacher, Becky says. Ginny, how come you have to put the bins out? Did your dad forget? Ginny kind of laughs. I do it most weeks. I live with my brother. My dad's at work. Oh, right. In Queensland, Becky stares at Ginny. He's a FIFO. She stares at our blank faces. Fly in, fly out. He goes there, works for three weeks, then comes back for a bit. Becky's eyes are wide. How about your mum? She lives in Byron, Byron Bay with her boyfriend. The way Ginny spits the word boyfriend I'm guessing he's not her fave. So who cooks dinner, Becky asks. Ginny blushes. Becky, I say. It's okay. Ruth cooks sometimes. Or we get takeaway. Dad cooks when he's home. I could do with more takeaway in my life, but Ginny's face makes me think that 24-7 pizza isn't what it's cracked up to be. My dad has a big meeting coming up, Becky says, because Andy, this friend of ours, Becky, 
I say again. What? I open my mouth and close it again. Whatever, nothing. So Andy was learning to be an electrician with Dad. Only Dad had to go to the hospital because he couldn't see and Andy got too much electricity and he died. Ginny gasps. She's going to think we're a pack of electro-cutting murderers. And Marfin is the only one bad eye away from that story. But Becky continues. It wasn't Dad's fault. So he has to t go and tell them everything at the meeting. It was an accident, I say quickly. Your poor dad, Ginny glances at me. What's the meeting? An inquest. Sounds terrible, she says. Terrible for all of you. I haven't seen this side of Ginny before. It's annoying, Becky says, pirouetting on the footpath. Mum and Dad don't talk much about anything else. Hey, what's your favourite musical? Ginny thinks for a minute. Matilda, have you seen it? Seen it, Becky gasps in rapture and begins singing the lead song. She sings like a tone-deaf bullfrog, but it's better than her revealing more family secrets. You into musicals too, Buck? Ginny asks me. I shake my head. Shame? They're doing the boy boyfriend this year at school. The boyfriend, Becky asks. I haven't seen that one. She turns to me. You should try out. Go on, Bug. You're good at singing. And I can help you with the dancing. She shimmies on the footpath. Ginny smiles. Not going to happen, I say. No one wants to see an overgrown praying mantis dance. I'd like to try out when I get to high school, Becky says. She launches into a long speech about the 10 best ever musicals. By the time we drop her at school, she's full on in love with Ginny because she's the only person apart from mum who listens while Becky rabbits on. Then it's just me and Ginny walking along and I realise how much silence Becky's stories fill. The chatter from the primary school playground fades. I sludge through the soggy autumn leaves that carpet the grass. I could walk on the dry footpath, but that would bring us closer, close enough that our arms might brush against each other by accident or the smell of apricots might set me off. I stay on the grass. So the game tonight, Ginny says, her face serious. Yes, I say. Do you think anyone's going to show? I chew my lip. Nissa and Lulu said they would, and Summer maybe. That would give us four. We could at least get on the court. Once word gets around, we'll get a few more. We share a nervous grin. Ginny takes a deep breath. I wanted to say I can live with Summer on the team as long as she buys in. She glances at me. I can't believe you actually went and spoke to them all. No biggie. You barely know any of them. She's right. If you told me a month ago that I'd be recruiting girls for a mixed basketball team, I'd be thinking you were loopier than Nana. Maybe I'm getting better at talking to girls. I kick at the leaves and swallow a smile. I lose the bet. Especially after the dacking thing in the first week. You must be crazy. This is a huge compliment coming from Ginny and I'm stoked. Thanks. Oh, I spoke to Rufus. He said he could help coaches. 
That should make up for Killer's basketball allergy. That's awesome. Will he come to tonight's game? I'll message him a reminder. He can be a bit vague, night shift and all that. It'll be good for him, I reckon. He hasn't played since anything happened with MU. I don't know what she means, but I'm scared. I'll ask the wrong question. I choose my words carefully. So um, he doesn't play at all. He looks at me. You don't know what happened, do you? I shake my head. He got into some trouble in his first year. The face turns dark. One of his friends posted a video of him off his head at a party. Ruth wasn't to know. I mean, he was straight out of school. Anyway, he didn't get a contract at the end of the year. And since then, he's been stacking shelves at Coles. He comes and watches me play, but he won't get on the court himself. Says basketball's not for him. I digest all of this, but it doesn't change the fact that he wasn't talented enough to get selected by MU in the first place. Well, even better that he's taken on coaching, I say. I mean, everyone deserves a second chance. Ginny's face brightens a little. He's a good guy. He just needs to, I don't know, do stuff he loves. Don't I know that feeling? She pauses. There are some good teams in the comp, you know. I was at rep last night and everyone was talking about it. Eltham are pretty strong. And there are even some private schools joining up. I've been so busy trying to get the team together, I haven't even thought about our opposition. I met this guy from Frankston, Ginny says. He was helping train the Sharks under 12s. My heart skips a beat. Ticket's younger brother Cooper plays rep in the under 12s. Super buffed guy, Ginny continues. My throat turns dry. It couldn't be, could it? <clears throat> I don't know his real name, but everyone called him Tickets, I whisper. Yeah, he said he knows you. I choke on my own spit. How would they put in a mixed team? It's a guy's school. They're in with their sister school, apparently. God damn, Frankston Girls College. My world closes in and I find it hard to breathe. He's a bit up himself, Ginny says. Is he your friend? No. Friends don't trip you up at rep trials to stop you getting on the team. Did he get in? No. They called a tech foul. At a rep trial? What a loser. And then you got picked. I nod. I don't add that then I had to give up my place because of Marfin. He laughed when I told him we were still getting our team together. Their team has been training for months. Well, that's a lie. They didn't have a mixed team when I left last term. I wiped sweat from my forehead. We can match them, she says. <clears throat> We've got potential. Her smile is like sunshine peeking through cloud. I try to smile back, but right now it's not winning I'm worried about. Tickets knows about Marfin and now we're opponents. Chances he will try to use that against me. 200%. We have five. Five people that officially constitutes a team. The court gleams bright under fluoro lights and I'm busting to get out there. One-on-one -on -one with Ginny has been great and all. But this is a game, a real game. 
Summer scrolls on her phone. If the uniforms are brown, I'm out of here. I want to tell her she'd look hot in a poo brown hessian sack, but I don't. Her eye roll is lethal. Of course they'll be brown. It's our school colour, Ginny says, stretching. Don't you need to warm up? Ginny gets hit by Summer's eye roll, but it bounces off like she's Teflon coated. Killer lumbers into the hall, carrying a laundry sack. He throws me a ball, which is flat. Killer, you got a ball pump, I ask. Your generation is so demanding, Killer replies. Always looking for what you don't have. Check the bag. I find the pump and some poo brown tops, which we change into in the toilets. We regroup, summer sulking, Ginny cross, Nissa and Lulu exchanging uncertain looks. Our opposition arrives in green jerseys and matching jackets. Geelong, Ginny says. They've got some good players. I'm expecting Killer to run a warm-up, but he sits down on the bench and takes out his phone. Is Rufus coming? I ask Ginny. How the hell would I know? She snaps. I breathe. This is not going so great. Okay, everyone, I call to our team. Let's get on the court. Summer, maybe ditch the phone now. The girls dwaddle onto the court and we do a layup drill. My nerves are at an all-time high, but they'll settle once we start. I'm so excited. I could zumba up and down the court. The ref gets the team sheet from the opposition and then makes her way to us. Hello, I say as she approaches. She frowns. Your coach hasn't filled out the team sheet. Where is he? I look over at the bench where Killer is eating a sausage roll, tomato sauce dribbling down his chin. Killer, I call, gesturing him out to come over. The ref thrusts pen and paper at me and I begin to write down names while Killer saunters over, down in the last mouthful of sausage roll. You got more coming, the ref asks him. Killer looks at me and, and shrugs. I shake my head. No subs, but we'll manage. We're pretty fit. She shakes her head. Minimum two boys. Didn't you read the rule book? Oh, she has to be joking, but she didn't look like the joking type. But come on, ref, we didn't know, I say. She points at the book in her hand. Mixed team rules. But we're actually giving a height advantage to the other team. Now my own team glare daggers at me. Forfeit, she says, riding a big L next to Fairfield. And just like that, we're cooked. We pack up our gear in silence. It was never going to work anyway, Keller says. I'll tell Mr Hummingbird. We can try again next season. No way, I say. I'm going to get some boys. The boys want to play football, Lulu says glumly. We should quit while we're ahead, Killer says. We're not ahead, Ginny says. And we're not quitting, I add. I'm going to find us some boys somehow. That night, I'm lying awake in the dark, brainstorming how I can win over a few of the footy-mad boys when mum eases my door open. She must have just got home from work. All mum's late shifts on a Friday are lucky for me and my secrets. Still awake, she says softly. Yeah, I say. She comes and sits on the edge of my bed. How's everything? You seem a bit happier the last few days. 
It's getting easier, I say. Glad she can't see my face. Bud, I know things are hard for you, the move, Marfin, and now the inquest. It's a lot to deal with. I'm okay, Mum. Do you miss your old friends? We could invite them over sometime if you like. I feel the pull of seeing Oscar and Spud, and then I remember. They're the op oppo now. Nah, it's okay. I'm getting to know people at school. She hugs me. I saw the Sharks had a win on Wednesday. Tickets posted. He scored 18 points or something. Mum and Instagram. She loves it. I hope you weren't on Insta at work, Mum. She smiles. Just on my break. It's so handy when you're trying to keep up with everyone's news. Actually, I'd be quite happy not to keep up with how many trillion points tickets has scored. He was the one part of Frankston I was happy to leave behind. Mum and I sit in the dark in silence for a few minutes. Bug, there is something serious I wanted to talk about. I hold my breath. Could she possibly know? She hesitates. You're very precious to me, you, Becky and Dad. So if I'm a bit, I don't know, protective sometimes, I'm doing it to keep you safe. I swallow my guilt. I know. And Andy's death was such a terrible shock. And now the inquest. She runs a hand through her hair. I haven't wanted to stress her by asking about Dad. But now that she's raised the topic, it feels right. You know the inquest and everything, how long it will take? Mum breathes heavily. We don't know for sure. It starts next week and could go for a while. She takes my hand and holds it fast. Dad's under a lot of strain. We have to take care of him. She doesn't need to tell me because his habit of popping bubble wrap for hours at a time pretty much gives it away. The fear in her voice makes me think Dad's not the only one feeling the strain and my gut lurches because if they found out about me playing, it would definitely make everything worse for Mum. It's okay, isn't it, to go against your parents when you have no other choice? Parents don't know absolutely everything and they don't get what I need to survive at school. Sorting out my own team means they don't have to worry about it. I'm protecting mum and dad, the same as she's trying to protect me. But if all of that is true, why does my gut continue to squirm as if a sick eel is writhing around in there? I wanted to tell you, bud, I'm so proud of how you've adjusted to all the changes in your life. I know it hasn't been easy. I feel spewy with everything I'm hiding from mum. Have you had a look at the Marfin website yet? The one the doctor showed us? No. It's really good, you know. There's a lot of information there. It's not as frightening as you might think. I'm not. I know you're not scared, Mum smiles. But knowing what to expect is good, don't you think? And the Marfin support group is having a meeting later in the year. I thought we could go. Becky's text occult is looking appealing all of a sudden. It'd be good for you and Dad to get involved. You haven't wanted to talk about it, have you? No. I mean, talking, or does that change? I want to get on with life. It might make it easier, help you adjust. I'm fully, totally adjusted. 
I'm like one of those adjustable waistbands, skinny fat adjustable, believe me. She smiles but looks unsure. Okay, have to think about it. Seems strange for you and Dad to know less about Martha than me or anyone else who reads the website. It's your body after all. She kisses me goodnight, smelling of chocolate. Leaves a brochure for the Martha meeting on my bedside table. After she's gone, I switch on the light and I take a look at it. I don't want a new family of Martha people. My own family is kooky enough, but maybe Mum's right. Maybe it isn't as bad as I expected. And the idea of other people knowing more Martha stuff than me is freaky. I could just imagine tickets on the fact-finding mission to bring me down. I can't give him any kind of advantage. I reach for my phone and search up the link. I read the description of the fingers and toes, the long limbs and the loose joints. But heaps of people have those things, no biggie. Then I click on the pictures and it's like someone has poured icy water into my bones. I can't take my eyes off the screen. It's like I belong to some weird family I've never met. A middle-aged man has my worm fingers clasped in his lap. A young girl has my long, gnarly toes. A lady is wearing my Coke bottle glasses. It's more than that. I see parts of me and Dad I've always thought were just me and Dad. It's like Marfin is all of me, way more than the doctors said. My flat cheeks my overbite, my jumbled up teeth fighting for jaw space. I see my funny breastbone with its midline peak. I see two long arms and gangly legs. I see me.